0: You hear me? It will change you. People think it's just some book of history or, or some just, um, some just big thing we carry around, you know, those big family Bibles or something. We think it's just some object, but in reality, it's the very mind and the heart of God. Amen. Thank you guys. You're awesome. 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 Uh, I just want to talk to you for a few minutes on an idea that God gave me. How do you know that God is doing something today? Say today. Do you know every day is a divine appointment that God himself has orchestrated and constructed for you and I to experience something more than we experienced yesterday. Amen. I do not believe that God expects us to relive the same day over and over again. It's not Groundhog Day. Come on. Where it's exactly the same every single moment. He says, my mercy is new every day. There is an an exposing of who God is revealed to us every single day. But in order for us to get full exposure, say full exposure, there are some kingdoms that must come down. Come on. There are some things that have to come down in order for things to be built. Come on. You don't go build a new house on top of an old house. No, nobody, nobody agrees with that, huh? Would you spend all the money that you had to build on a foundation that was busted up and it couldn't hold anything? If you were to build upon that structure, it would be a waste of money, right? I mean, eventually it would just deteriorate and it would fall. And God is establishing a foundation. Come on, somebody say foundation. That he can build something so powerful and something so beautiful. And a matter of fact, the way that I see it is it's already built in heaven. Come on. And he's just going to put it on the foundation. Amen. Oh, that's good stuff to me. Okay, so Jesus here in, in, in chapter 2 of John, I'm going to read out the passion. First of all, this is what God spoke to me. Uh, he spoke to me something that, I, that is close to me, and uh, I study sociology, and there's a, there's a theory in sociology called a uh, 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 social constructional. Constructualism. Has anyone ever heard of that term? Maybe it's okay if you haven't. And literally what it is, is a theory the, uh, in sociology that examines the development of, a cons- of constructed understandings that the world has based on shared assumptions of a reality. In other words, they believe, or we believe what we believe because we have been constructed to believe what we believe. We can take those things when it comes to finances. We have a social construction that tells us what money is and what money is not. We have a social construction that says what education is and what education is not. We have a social construction to say what, what religion looks like and what religion does not look like. And if we take those ideas and put it somewhere else, it may not hold true to one culture to the next. Do you understand? In other words, it has been constructed by our society to tell us what we believe. Come on. And the same thing has happened within the body. Nobody said amen. Amen. Religion has socially constructed ideas and theologies that you and I are supposed to believe. And we don't even know why we're supposed to believe them. We believe them because they have been passed down from generation to generation to generation to generation, to generation through a hierarchy system. Uh-oh. Come on, I'm going to go there. <laughs> a hierarchy means there is a, in, there's a superior and there's an inferior. There is a ranking that says you can only come to where I am. And a hierarchy system has socially constructed our idea of what this kingdom of God looks like. Come on. But God is tearing down such a thing. Come on. And he is tearing it down so that something beautiful can be revealed. Amen. So here we are. John chapter 2. I'm reading out the passion. I'm going to do it quick, 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 quick. After this, say after this. Jesus, his mother, his brothers, and his disciples went to Capernaum. Now, I want you to see right now that immediately Jesus is with family. Say with family. Say family. Look at me and say, BJ, you're my family. And you are my family. Do you understand? We are one because of this man named Jesus. Do you understand? He made us one. His last prayer in John 17 was, oh. That they may be one as you and I are one. That they may experience the same glory Come on. that you have given me. Wow, that's pretty intense, isn't it? See, it's not about you and I may have had one conversation, but we are built thread. We are, we are entwined. We are one. We are in covenant relationship. Come on. So Jesus wasn't going with a bunch of hoo haws, right? He wasn't going with just a bunch of anybody's. He wasn't going with the business. He wasn't going with pastors, deacons, evangelism. Come on. He was with family say family. And they went to a town called Capernaum. Capernaum literally means village of Nahum. Now you think, what does that have to do with anything? Nahum means compassion. Say compassion. Jesus was taking the family to compassion. It is a lost thing within the local church. Come on, you might as well say amen. We would rather preach hellfire and brimstone because we think it motivates people to love Jesus. Come on. But he's saying here, I'm going to... And not only is he going there, it says he stayed there for a while. Come on. We have got to linger in compassion. Compassion will allow you and I to see one another differently. Because without compassion, I don't probably like you and you probably don't like me. Because by my nature, I'm not a person who likes people. It's true. It's not in my nature to go, boy, I sure like you. Anybody else relate to that? You know, I don't run up to people and go, oh, I just want to, I want to be your friend. No, I don't go look for friends. I don't do it. My wife will tell you I'm okay. Put me in a room by myself. I'm fine. I won't be offended. I'm, I'm okay with it. Okay. <laughs> but she needs friends. But Jesus, thank you for Jesus. Had to set me down in compassion. And when he did, all of a sudden I look at you and go, oh my God, I love you. Come on. See, that's what being born again means. I don't act like I once act. Come on. And for me, by nature, my first birth says, I don't like you. I have enough friends. Right? (laughs) So he says he dwelt in compassion. By this time, it was close to Passover. Say this week. I did not plan on this at all. This is the week of Passover. Passover begins Friday. Friday night, we'll start Seder at sundown and we will celebrate Passover for eight days. And so it says it was beginning to be Passover and Jesus walked into Jerusalem. Say he walked in the door. And when he went into the temple courtyard, he noticed some things. He noticed that merchants were selling ox and they were selling lambs and they were selling du- loves and they were doing it at exorbitant prices. Now, I used to look at this and think, now, Jesus, you didn't come in and get mad because they had a store. I'm sorry. They, you know, people say, you can't sell a T-shirt in church. You'll go to hell. Can't sell the CDs in church. That's not why he was mad. I just didn't believe it. I didn't understand this to the full capacity, but I didn't understand. And we may think, well, it's because they were selling ox and they were selling sacrifices and they were trying to uh, sell the anointing. Well, maybe that sounds spiritual, but I don't think that's it either. This is what he said. He said he saw them at exorbitant prices, they were overcharging. And they, had a, they were overcharging. In the other words, they were being greedy. They were building up a system of business. Say business. This is what God spoke to me. First, let me read the next verse to so we get it. And so he noticed all this. And all of a sudden, Jesus found some rope. Jesus is a cool dude, by the way. I think, for me, this is what Jesus probably did. He observed everything, saw what was going on. And all of a sudden, he saw a piece of rope. And he said, hmm. He picked up the rope, he probably tied a few knots in it, and said, I'm about to clear the house. Come on. Because he said he built a whip out of it, and he drove out the people and their animals. Right? This is what it said. It said he built a whip, and he said, uh, and Jesus found some rope, he made it into a whip, then he drove out everyone, including the animals, and he kicked over their table. Say so he kicked over the table. Why did he kick over the table? It's very important, we're going to find out in a minute. He kicked over the table, scattering it everywhere, and he shouted out, get And when he said it, he said this, don't you dare make my father's house, say father's house, into a center for merchandise. Now. If you're religious, like I probably once was, well, that has to do with selling stuff. We can't sell stuff. It's about greed. It's about all this. And in reality, I said, God, what are you talking about? A week ago on Saturday, I was in my bedroom and I was worshiping. I was praying, getting ready for Sunday morning. And I began to read these same verses. And I said, Jesus, what made you so mad? I want to know why you were mad. Because I should be mad at what you're mad at. I want to love what you love and I want to be mad at what you're mad at. And everybody tells us in our constructed society, we should be mad at the Democrats. We should be mad at the Republicans. We should be mad at the gays. We should be mad at the this one. We should be mad at this one. And that's what society has constructed us to think we should be mad at. But God, that's not what I see you're mad at. Why were you so mad about some folks selling stuff? And he said, read that line again. So I read it. Get these things out of here. Don't you dare make my father's house. Into a business center. Are we hearing this now? Why did you overturn the table? Because they made a board table. When I wanted daddy's table. Come on. I said, what are you saying? He said the modern church has become so full of hierarchy that they've made board rooms instead of dining rooms. They had built a business model instead of a family model. And he said, when I walked into the temple that day, I wasn't mad because they were selling stuff. I was angry because they had taken on a concept that had made my kingdom into a business plan when I wanted it to be a family plan. I never intended for this to look like a business. I wanted it to look like a family. Come on. But we are so moved by position. Come on. That we bring that into the into the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter four says this, and he's given some apostles, some prophets, some pastors, some teachers, some evangelists. Remember those? And what do we call those things? The fivefold ministry, the five offices, and that's all great and wonderful, but he never called it an office city. I have in the past. I've done it. Why? We wanted to stick a position into it. Come on. We wanted to stick a position because we think in hierarchy that says, I'm going to be the head. I'm going to be in the char- in charge. God has anointed me to be the boss. Come on. Right. And he said, I've given you this five gifts so that you can equip the people to serve, say to serve. But we're so moved by position that we get motivated by the position. We think that the structure, the body of Christ should be a business. And what happens is we'll say, I'm so glad that you came into the things of the Lord. And when you're ready, right? We've said those terms. I've said those terms. I said it, Robbie, right here, spiritual son. I told you 14, 15 years ago, when you're ready, I'm going to let you lay hands on people. Do you remember that? I did that to you. I made a business model with him instead of a family model. Do you understand? I told him you're not ready son to lay hands on people. And when I think you're ready, I'm going to let you. And I did it. I did it out of innocence. I didn't know what I was doing. I thought that's the way church was supposed to look. And I remember the night I took your hand. Do you remember? And I laid your hand on someone's stomach and said, go pray for them. I anointed you to pray for people. Think about it now. How ridiculous. Come on. How ridiculous. That's a business structure. Basically, that would be like the prodigal son coming in and the father saying, I see my son coming. Get the robe, get the ring, and tell him when he's ready, I'm going to give him this robe and I'm going to give him this ring. And then the prodigal son comes, serves the father's house for position. Come on. Do you see it? One day I'm going to get the ring. One day I'm going to get the robe. One day I'm going to please the father enough. Come on. The pastor enough. The evangelist enough that they're going to lay their hands on me so I can be anointed too. Come on. That is hierarchy. That will stop the structure and the flow of what revival is supposed to look like. Come on. We do it out of because that's what we were constructed to believe. That is social constructionalism. We have been constructed to believe this is what church looks like. This is what ministry looks like. This is what religion looks like. It would be chaos if we just brought everybody to the table. Right? But in reality, I think of a man named Mephibosheth. Can you imagine naming your son Mephibosheth? (laughs) I'd get all kinds of tongue tied. I have four Z's. Zayden, Zoe, Zayla, Zamar. We already get mixed up. Can you imagine going, my famous chef, you know, it'd be like, messed me up big time. Mephibosheth had been wounded by those that he loved. He had been dropped. Anybody know the story? His, uh, the servant, his maid, his, uh, or not his maid. It was really his nanny. It was his, it was, it was a parental person dropped him and hurt him. And he was wounded. And the Bible says that he went to Lodabar, a land that was desolate and barren because then he thought, I could never, he was crippled at that point. He walked funny. He didn't look like everybody else. He didn't look like he could carry the load of everybody else. So he sold out to nothing. Come on. How many of you know there's people outside of this bar? I love saying that. That have been crippled and they have been wounded and they've been hurt. And no one has told them that they can come to the table. They flashed a ring in front of them and said, One day when you get it together, God's going to use you. Come on. We've built kingdoms out of one day. I'm going to anoint you and I'm going to ordain you one day. Come on. I'm telling you, I'm so sick of religion. I could scream. Come on. I'm so sick of people saying you need a covering. I got a covering. His name is Joshua, Hamashiach, the Mashiach. He is the Messiah, the king of all days. He's the ancient one. He's the holy one. He's the one who spoke and light existed. He's the one who breathed. And all of a sudden Adam became a dirt pile into life. I'm covered. All right. Trust me. Now, I believe we should submit one to another, but this hierarchy that says you can only go as far as I go is garbage. Come on. I'm being real. You invited me for this. Hallelujah. (laughs) I am giving you food so because this is what is going to catapult us into the glory, and I'm going to show you how biblical it is. I have a text for it and everything. But we live in this concept of Psalms 133 that says the anointing flows from the head down to the tail. And we call me the head or him the head or her the head. And we think that's where the anointing comes from. But according to Ephesians chapter 2, Jesus, say Jesus, he was made the supreme head of the church. So if today, not that I ever think he would do this, Pastor Les over here says, I'm done. We're not going any further than this. This is as far as we're going to grow. We're not going to do anymore. We're not going to worship anymore. This is the cap. We've reached the cap. You sometimes, not sometimes, religion would tell us, well, that means I can only go as far as he'll go. Hierarchy. Business model. And in reality, God says, I'm right here. Come on up here. Come on up here. Say, come on up here. Okay, I got to get to where we're going because this is not the ending of it and time is counting. So anyway, he goes on. He says, the, t- the disciples all of a sudden remembered, I'm consumed with a fiery passion to keep your house pure. There is a revelation taking place right now in the body of Christ, in the kingdom of God, that's realizing this is not about a business. This is about my father's house. This is about a family house that says whosoever will. Oh, back to Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth, remember, he was Christian. He was lame. He didn't. He he was not. He he was the one that everyone said you can't hang out with him, right? But there was a king that day that said, "I want to show kindness." Somebody say, "Show kindness." It is time for the body of Christ to show kindness. (laughs) Come on, Jesus. Remember, went to Capernaum. Compassion. He showed kindness. It was a kind king that came to town on Palm Sunday. Come on. It was a nice king who prepared a table for whoever wants to come and sit at it. How do I know that? Mephibosheth. The Bible says that they looked and they said, is there someone I can show kindness? The father Jesus is in heaven and he's going, is there someone I can show myself to? And the servant said, there's that one, Mishphibosheth, but he's crippled. He can't walk. He's not able. He's not educated. He doesn't know John 3, 16. He doesn't know that you're not supposed to uh, uh, drink a beer. He doesn't know that you're not supposed to watch. He doesn't know. He's crippled. Come on. And it's evident he walks like this. He can't even hide it. Anyway, I just felt like I feel so unworthy and I can't even hide it? And then religious hierarchy says, here's a ring. When you start walking right, you can have the ring. Work for this position, work for this position, work for this position, you know? The Bible just for the sake of time says that Mephibosheth come to the table. I should do this right in front of Facebook, shouldn't I? And he came to the table, crippled, right? Everybody knew it, but when he sat down, he was eye to eye with everybody. We are equal at the table. I'm not hovering over you. I am one of you. Come on. Come on. It's not a business model. It's a family model. Say a family Okay, so Jesus came in and he said, uh, he said, they tell him uh, he's consumed and the religious people said, what right do you have to preach such a thing? And this is what Jesus said. And I have misquoted the scripture my entire life. We always say, maybe you don't, but I always heard it preached. I'll destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Jesus never said he would destroy the temple. This is what he said. Jesus answered, said, they asked him, what authority do you have to say? What you are saying. What authority have you been given to say this hierarchy is not the way church is supposed to look? What authority you show us what gives you the right. See they think hierarchy. We even question God in this thing. What make what who gave you position? And Jesus said this He said, After you have destroyed the temple, I will raise it up again in three days. And God spoke to me very clearly last week, and He said, I am allowing the hierarchy to destroy itself. And when it does, I am suddenly going to rebuild this family. It will not lose one thing except religious bondage, and it will grow into the biggest table you have ever seen. And I will welcome whosoever will. The Bible says in Acts chapter two, in those days, say in those days, I will rebuild this broken tent of David, and I will rebuild it again in those days. You know what David's tent was all about? It had no division in it. It had no titles in it. It had come on. It, it had no structure to it. It seemed a little bit out of the. There was no government that said the pastor, the apostle, the you know, there was no board of directors that run everything. It was a whosoever will that would come in that tent. And he said, in those days, I'm going to restore that broken little tent of. David, come on. And I'm going to call them back to that place of whosoever desires to come in Jesus' name. Now quickly go over to uh, Second Chronicles chapter 5. I got to change the translation because the passion doesn't have it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love technology, but sometimes I just don't know about it. While you're on your way in Second Chronicles chapter five, there's a story in John chapter twenty-three, and it said that the religious people they desire to sit on the on the, the thrones of Moses. They desire to tell us what we believe and what we don't believe. Go read it. Psalm, it's Matthew 23, chapter, uh, chapter 23, verse number two. It says, they sit on the, uh, the thrones of Moses telling people what they can and cannot do. And they put pressure on them and tell them, you can't do this. And they themselves don't even follow it. And they said, they, the, the passion says, they don't even lift a finger to help them. They just oppress them. And they said they desire the seats of honor. They desire to be brought up to the front. They desire to, I love the the passion. It says to be called reverend. I've never liked that word, by the way. It sounds like dead people to me. Reverend. I don't know why, but it says they desire to have public, to be lifted up. And it says, but you are different. Somebody say we're different. It says you don't desire to be called master because you already have a master. You don't desire to be called teacher because there's one teacher, the anointed one. You don't desire to be called father because there's one father in heaven. And he said, those that are not willing to humble themselves will be humbled. But those that are willing to be humbled shall be exalted. So Jesus right there tears down that little, that thing where I'm impressed by your title. I used to be impressed with titles, but you know what I found out? There is not a lot of value to it. I used to go to churches and they'd say, the prophet is here. That was so much pressure. (laughs) The prophet, who was that? I mean, the, we we already, the, is there not another one? You know what I mean? It was so much pressure. I mean, I would have meetings. I'd be so stressed out thinking, oh Lord, I got to get the prophet hat on. You know, I got to, I got to put on my position or I'm going to disappoint the people. How many of you know Jesus never disappoints us? I could preach the worst thing ever, but Jesus will never disappoint you because he loves you. Come on. So Jesus was tearing down that structure, and there's a reason why. Because according to the scripture, you and I cannot experience the glory, say the glory. Until we are built in the structure of family. Come on. And so we see in 2 Chronicles chapter uh, number 5. For the sake of time. Basically all the people were uh, were, were out in Sukkot. And that's a time that they go out in the wilderness. And they get in their tents. And they celebrate. And they worship. And it says this. It says that uh, uh, in verse number 6. And King Solomon and all the assembled were gathered together before the ark. Sacrificing so many sheep and oxen. That they could not even be numbered. Now what does that mean? So extravagant that you could not measure it at all. In other words, my worship and your worship may not look exactly the same, but it's not supposed to be measured. It's not supposed to be, you understand? It's not supposed to be compared, but it is supposed to be over the top. Come on, because he's an overtop God, right? It goes on to say verse number nine. It says the poles were long and they were hung outside of the ark and they were visible from the holy of holies, but they were not visible from the outside. Now, I'm going to just tell you real quick what that means. When we are in the presence of God, you will see things that you will not see outside of it. Come on. When you're in a glory spot, you will see things that you will not see when you are walking in the flesh. Come on. Amen. How many of you want to see some stuff? You want to see some stuff? You want to come on up to the guitar because it'll help me focus myself. It says there was nothing in the ark except the two tables that Moses had put on there and now drop down to verse number 11. And here it goes. When the priests came out of the holy place, it says that they came out with regard to their assigned divisions. Now, what does that mean? Their titles were left. They went in the presence of God. They had an experience and they laid down their positions. They laid down their, you don't have to, I'm not Dr. Bishop of whatever you understand. They laid all of that pride down. They laid it all down. There is something happening right now in the culture of God that we are laying down all of this hierarchy. Do you understand? We are understanding it's not necessary. God knows who you and I are. We don't need him to title us. Come on. Now, I know this is hard for some people, but it's the truth. First Kings, it came up and said, Elijah, the Tishbite showed up out of nowhere. Now, I used to preach that that Elijah, Elijah was a nameless man who had power. But you know what? He did have a name. He did have a name. He did have a face. God knew who he was, not man a man, he was just a Tishbite. Do you know what a Tishbite was? It's like being from a place called like Moss Hill, Texas. Where? Exactly. He was from nowhere spectacular, but there was oh, but there was something powerful down in him. But it wasn't because he didn't have an identity. He had an identity, but it was found in God. How many of you know how life changing it is when you realize your identity in God? Come on. Not identity in man, not socially constructed identity that says, oh, now you've been born again. And now you've got to look this way. You've got to act this way. You've got to dress this way. You've got to come on that social constructionalism of church. So it said, oh, she most Sunday. So it says when they came out of the holy place, they came out of their assigned divisions. And verse 12 and all somebody say all. In those days, I'll restore that broken tent, the tabernacle of David and all. Come on. It says in all the Levitical singers, the Asphod, the Haman, the, the, the jedithan and all of their sons, daughters and relatives say family. They went in the presence of God and they left their business plan behind the veil and they came out of family. I'm about to show you what it means to live in the culture of glory. The culture of glory is not produced by a hierarchy or a business model. And I used to preach that it was. I used to preach that the body of Christ should operate like a great business. That is garbage. It should operate by this family that makes no sense whatsoever. That you could, you could cuss me out, but you're still my family. Come on. That's what family is. Family doesn't say, I'm going to demote you and now you're not my brother anymore. Come on. I'm teaching you a beautiful principle. And he said, they came out as family and they had harps and they had lyres, and they were standing at the east end of the altar. Say, buddy, say east end of the altar. Oh God, I wish I had another hour. Oh, I could teach you about the east end of the altar. The east and the altar literally means that the Hebrew phrase, uh, phrase, place of expectation. So they went in as businessmen, businesswomen who govern the, the, the culture of God. They came out of family. And they stood in expectation. So they just stood at the east end of the altar. What are you doing? We're just expecting. What do you expect? I don't know yet. Not, I don't know what's going to happen in this region, but I know something's happening. I don't know where you're going to be in 12 months from now, but I know something's happening. And I'm standing right here with you at the east end of the altar in expectation. I'm standing right here with all of you in the place of expectation. And I, I, I see the prophet, if we want to make it hard, would say, Oh, well, let me tell you what it's going to be. I don't need to tell you what it's going to be. But I'm going to be with you. And I'm going to be in hope with you in expectation because it said, Watch this. They came out, they stood at the east end of the altar. And with 120, <laughs> any Bible students in here? When you hear 120, your mind should immediately go, Acts chapter 2. I don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to hang out in that room in Jerusalem. I don't know what's going to happen there. We're going to hang out. Come on. We're just going to hang out together. In expectation, something's going to happen. (laughs) I don't have to work for it. I'm just going to someone. Do you hear what I'm saying? Religion says you got to get ready for it. You got to, you got to get clean enough. You got to get holy enough. You got to get saved enough. You got to get, you got to get pretty enough. You got to get your suit. You got to get your church one-on-one lingo. You got to get all that together. And then suddenly, no, no, no. They were just expecting any minute. Something's going to happen. So there there were 120 of them. They were at the east in the altar and it said they were blowing trumpets. Oh God, I wish I had another two hours going to teach about blowing trumpets. He's going to be a long day if I do that. Huh? Blowing trumpets is prophesying. They were just speaking into the atmosphere. This is your family. This is your people. This is what you have ordained. This is what you have called. I'm called to existence. I'm in expectation. You have chosen this region for revival. The hierarchy would say, well, what's that going to look like? Who told you? What authority do you have? I don't know. How does know a man who said that religion is going to destroy itself and he's suddenly going to do something? Come on. We will plan ourselves to death Revival. Because we want to know every detail of what it's going to look like That one right there, I can talk about him He wants every little detail Sometimes you say, Robbie Stop it You don't have to know every detail Come on Just, Somebody say expectation I'm hurrying, God, God, God They're never going to invite me back And it said that they, they were in the expectation And they were in unison Unison, did you hear that? Oh, I wish I had four more hours. (laughs) Because unity is everything. Do you hear me? Without unity, we can't see the glory of God. That's why the hierarchy had to come down so we could become family. Because family will stick together no matter what. It said so they were in unity, and they were blowing their trumpets and their singers, and they were making themselves be heard in one voice, praising and thanking God. And they raised their voices a cup, whoa, accompanied with trumpets and cymbals and other instruments as they made music. God, I wish we had a keyboard right here. I'd get up there and play it. I could pick at one note and it sounds not so good. I could hit them all, and it's really not good. But you give me the presence of God, and I begin to play chords. I can prophesy through those keyboards, because you know why? Because those sounds, those music, it becomes a unified harmony. With all these different sounds. With all these different tones. With E minor and E natural. Come on. Come on. And all of a sudden you throw in a drop chord. And you pull it over. And you play the major over the minor. And all of a sudden sounds that would not work together. Are all of a sudden working together. And it makes a beautiful music. That's what happens when you and I come together, your sound, my sound, you don't have to look like I look, you don't have to act like I look and vice versa. But when we come together there's a beautiful music that takes place and it said, when this music takes place, it says, and when they praise the Lord, they said, he is good. they didn't say that preacher's good. They didn't say that prophet that came to town is good. They didn't say that pastor's good. He. And his mercy and loving kindness dwell forever. Then somebody say, then the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. Somebody say a cloud. Come on. That's the rich, tangible God. I wish I had 10 hours for that one. That is the rich, tangible, thick, authentic, authentic, authentic presence of God. I've seen that cloud before. I'll tell you about that another time. Uh, It says the cloud came in so that the priests could not even remain standing. In other words, they could not operate as usual anymore. They couldn't stand around and have their business meetings anymore. They couldn't stand around and try to plan revival anymore. All of a sudden it said the glory came in. They could not even stand because of weightiness of the presence of God. It says for the glory, the brilliance of the Lord filled the house of God. That word field right there is the Hebrew word that means plump. It just plumped down. When? When they went in, they lost their hierarchy. They lost their divisions. They became family and they got an expectation. So I'm going to prophesy and I'm going to pray over you. Then I'm going to go because it's time. (laughs) You may feel like you're spinning wheels in this region right now. And you don't know what's going on, but I promise you, if you just stay together, you stay in unity, not just with the people in this room, the people out there, those religious people that you want to pluck. You know what I mean? You ever just want to throat punch somebody? I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm a human being. You just feel like you got the spirit of an idiot. (laughs) You know, but if we can see them through the eyes of compassion and even though we're different, we can get at the east of the altar together. Something's going to happen and it's going to be beautiful. It'll be beautiful. Because it'll be the cloud of his glory glory I'm telling you the glory of God is hovering right here I'm telling you the glory of God is hovering right here the glory of God is hovering right here. I'm telling you, we are within Mache sette. We are within just a reach up and grab it moment. Do you hear me? I'm telling you right now, I declare over this house. every op- Not even just this house. I declare over the house of God in this region. I say Mache Sete to the portals in this region. I say open up that the King of glory may come. And I say Mache Sete. Let it begin right here as we've been on the journey together, Father that we will be in the place of expectation i deposit right now into your spirit a a hunger that a hunger a hunger that you will fight to get to daddy's table that you will fight to come sit at his table that the spirit of unworthiness would be broken off of you That the spirit of heaviness, the spirit of rejection would be broken off of you, and you will know the Father says you are worthy to come and sit at the table just like me, just like her, just like Him, just like her, just like this one. You are just as worthy. Because when we come to this table, we're not positions, we are brothers and sisters, we are family. So I break off all the fear. I break off all anxiety. And I say, My daddy's making room for every one of you. And he will put a leaf in the table every day of the week if he has to. He's going to make sure that you're not having to sit at a kid's table in the corner. He is bringing you to his kid's table. I'm telling you, it's a beautiful time to be in the body of Christ. So I speak over you right now. And I say, You shall live and not die and you will be a dwelling place for the king of glory I say that everything you do will be blessed every word curse that is spoken over this movement shall come to nothing in Jesus name and I say to the atmosphere make ready, make ready, make ready make ready cause Emmanuel God is with us Is here. Ha. (laughs) There was a time that the atmosphere was dark. It was void. It was chaos. But even then, the Bible says the spirit of the Lord hovered over the chaos. And right now, over the chaos in your life, the spirit of God is hovering over it. And I can't tell you the moment when, I can't tell you how, but I'm telling you this. Be in expectation that any minute that cloud is just going to sit down on you and everything will change. Do you hear me? Everything will change. How do I know this? There was a man by the name of Obedin in the Bible, and the Bible said that David took the Ark of the Covenant and left it at his house. That's all he did was leave it at his house. It said everything that Obedin did was blessed. Favor of the Lord came upon him. Why? Because the presence of God. Do you know why I try to tell people you need to be a glory carrier? You need to be a carrier of his presence. Because favor will follow you all the days of your life. I could tell you such favor that has come to my life in the past two years of my life. That would blow your mind. Not because I deserve it. But because I live in the presence of him. Psalms 91 says he who dwells in the secret place. I prophesy that you are dwellers of the secret place. You are dwellers of the secret place. You are dwellers of the secret place. You abide in the shadow of the almighty one and nothing that comes against you shall prosper as you remain in that place. So father today, we thank you. We love you. We honor you just for just a moment. Let's just worship him. We honor you. We honor you Mashila Sunday to Makino Moshete and we honor what you're doing in this hour. We make ready, we prepare the way for you Jesus just by staying in expectation and in unison with one another. And God today we declare into this region you are good. Your mercy, your kindness endures forever. And we say today oh God, come and establish the family the structure of heaven, the the society of glory, Father, let it be defined in this hour, in this region, in Jesus' name. Everybody, say we love you, Jesus. Uh, oh, God, is that we good? <laughs> I could go on a long time, by the way. Just saying.